Danny said, it is time now for us to do our part. So get ready, adults. You're going to come down here. You're going to put your communion or your offering in these buckets. And, uh, you know, if I got all of y'all doing that, uh, some of us might put our communion in those buckets. But I'm not going to do that to you. But why is it so tough to think about all the joy that we could have by doing such things like the children? You know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of an, easy, an easy little jab or an easy little criticism to say, oh, if only we had the faith of children the way that Jesus told us to have faith like children. And but sometimes we think that that means being childish in our faith. And just all the... The happiness and the and the and the and the you know the the fun and the whatever you know I'm 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 losing my words right now because I'm trying to really think about this and it um, it can seem kind of less. But the truth is, as we get older. We get tired. And we get tired and we might get more strained and stressed. But just because that happens to us, we lose the ability to maybe move like the little children. We lose the ability to run and to play like the little children. But that doesn't mean that our hearts also, our spirit also has to get heavy and burdened. Yes, our bodies wear out. Yes, the stress of life can creep in and steal that joy. But our hearts can remain light. And our hearts can remain childlike. Because we have promises that go beyond just this life. And when you see the children come into Coins for Christ, let that be a reminder, as we said last week, that we hope that one day, They will be the children who worry about the next generation, who find themselves where we are. But maybe, just maybe, by our example, they will be less burdened by the cares of this life than we maybe have been. Maybe, just maybe, we'll set the example to them that by showing them that we're able to let go of the concerns and the worries plague all of humanity and just come creeping in more and more as we grow up as adults maybe just maybe they will be a little less burdened by all that because they'll remember those older people who had not a care and could let go of the things that seem to matter so much to others Because these are the people that they remember being able to say, indeed, praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life, no matter how old I am. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live, no matter how long that is. And you'll notice that in this verse, there's no condition on there that qualifies it and says, I will praise the Lord all my life as long as I'm in good health. There's no qualifier on there that says, I will praise the Lord all my life as long as I have money. There's no qualifier on there that says, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live, only when I'm happy. And we learn instead that that praise comes from every situation we find ourselves in 
And this giving now is our representation of that just as the kids come and they, they run and they, they, they fall down and they run around and play. We too can be playful and we can be light in our hearts as we let go of the things that deceive. You see all of the ways that you can give and we want to thank you for your generosity and I encourage you to be a giver today, to be a giver this week that as we go out in mission, we are going to be givers and sometimes that giving spirit is how we show our praise. We're going to uh, sing this next song, He is Jehovah, after we have a word of prayer and then I want to come back to the psalm after this song. Join me in prayer. Father, we put gifts before you. Gifts of money, gifts of time, gifts of our heart. Father, the burdens that we carry, we've been told for so long to leave them outside the doors of the church. Father, we can no more do that than we can just stick them in a bag and throw them in a river. We can't. They're part of us. They're with us. And so we come to You and we bring all of this, our brokenness, our sorrow, our joy, our confusion. We even bring our idolatry. And we ask You to cleanse us of all of that. To heal us and to give us enough of Your grace that we can endure. And so Father, we give. We give because in giving, we learn how to practice grace like You do. Receive all of these gifts. And would You please make something beautiful and wonderful out of our lives because You are our God, our Maker and Creator. Psalm 146, verses 4-6. through six. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the Maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, He remains faithful forever. You know, there's almost an Independence Day theme in this Scripture. Do not put your trust in princes, kings, monarchs. Why not? Just because they're tyrants? No. The reason is because they're mortal. So even though on Independence Day we might have a historical memory of throwing off the shackles of King George III and throwing tea in the Boston Harbor and fighting against the tyranny because we've got to pay too much taxes. Rah, 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 whatever it is. Throw off them tyrants. The psalmist says, don't trust in the bad kings. Don't trust in the good kings. Because they're just human. They don't last. Political leaders come and go. Kings, princes, presidents, monarchs, senators, representatives, whatever they are. They come and go. But we get so caught up in the moment that we will ruin our mental health. We will ruin our spiritual peace. We will divide our community. We will divide our unity. And we will give up our moral values so that we can fight for what's right. And we often fight when there is no fight to fight. 
And that's what's so tragic. We're just looking for a fight. It's especially tragic since the maker of heaven and earth has fought the real battle and already won. And he's willing to... Now come on guys, did you hear that? The, the, the maker of heaven and earth has fought the real battle and won. Yeah. And he's willing to share that victory with us. And he assures us that he will give us help in our time of need. So, why do we have to go put on our boxing gloves? Paint up our protest signs. Whatever it is that we do to get out there and to get crazy. To go put our thumbs to work in training so that we can put whatever fighting text we need to put up there to let everybody know. Why? When the maker of heaven and earth has fought the one fight that really matters and won. This section of the psalmist reminds me of a quote that I read. In order to be prepared to hope in what does not deceive, we must first lose hope in everything that does deceive. Run that by you again. I'll reverse it, paraphrase it. To really hope in that which does not deceive or let us down, we first have to let go of hope in everything that does deceive, of everything that does let us down. But sometimes we like to hedge our bets and we like to put everything on whatever security we can get. That we want God plus a little bit more. We want God and a little more of this. We want God and some... We want God and... Hey, you'll even see the t-shirts. God and guns. God and guns and glory. God and money. We don't do that though, do we? God and money. God and political power. God and fences. God and... I mean, we don't, we don't get that bold about it, do we? But we like to sort of bring it all together and say, I'd like to trust in God, but I also want to make sure that I, I'm, I'm minded my P's and Q's when it comes to my own religious rules. And I'm afraid, fellow American Christians and anybody else listening in, that we suffer from a kind of pork barrel spirituality. You've heard of pork barrel legislation where somebody decides to pass legislation on something really big and important and then they tack in a few amendments and additions here so that we can uh, you know, pay for something in somebody's home state or pay for something in somebody's home district. Just a lot of little extras in there. And we can do the same thing with our spirituality. We want to amend our devotion and worship to God with other things. So when we follow God, we also want to be perhaps exclusively concerned about our little corner of the nation or our own little sense of justice or our own little political party or our own families or our own rules. We get very tribal and distinct and very single-minded about that. We keep attaching something to the spirituality of God and God alone. You know, in the American Civil War, both factions believed that God was behind their cause. That's right. You didn't have one side say, well, listen, we think that God is for us, and the other side said, well, that's fine because we're fighting for Satan. That's not what they were doing. They both believed that their cause was just and right. And because their cause was just and right, 
They needed to fight. Lincoln said that either their side is right or the other side is right or they're both wrong. We remain divided and restless in this nation because we continue to put our hope in deceptions. Are you listening? I, 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 you know, if you came here today and say, I, I didn't want the preacher to be busting me about the head with all this stuff, well, I'm sorry, but it's the psalm. Don't put your trust in princes. Don't put your trust in human beings who cannot save. We, we need the Word of God to knock the idols out of our hands so that we quit playing with it, so that we can put our trust fully and firmly in God and God alone. We fight over worldly things with a zeal that rivals any jihadist. Surveys indicate that over 40% of Americans now believe that a second civil war in this nation is likely. That statistic tells me two things. Number one, over 40% of Americans don't understand history and don't know why that can't really happen. But that's just my opinion. But secondly, it teaches me that we are still passionate about princes, principalities, and all the pork barrel faith supplements that we can add to being God's disciples. And the problem is with those things, they do not save us. It might be something we care about. It might even be something good. It might even be a worthwhile pursuit. But don't assume that it can save you. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Notice that it doesn't say, blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob and blessed is those whose hope is in the Lord their God and there's no qualifier there. It's that one God who saves. The sin of the Pharisees was that they were so devoted to that part that followed God, that and that they tacked onto it, that they couldn't even recognize their own rescuer, their own Savior when Jesus came. The mistake of Israel when they begged Samuel for a king is that they didn't understand that they already had all that with God. But they were so devoted to their own sense of having a political leader who fought for them, that they didn't know what it was going to cost them. Armies, governments, wealth, even your favorite preachers, or church in your comfort zone, all of that might make us happy for a moment, but it will ultimately fail us. And it can't save us. And we shouldn't be surprised when those things let us down, because after all, they're just as human as we are. But the only way to be truly blessed, and you'll remember that that word blessed is just like the word in the Beatitudes, happy. The only way to be truly happy, blessed, and content is to put our hope in the Lord our God and nothing else. Pray with me. Father, we confess to You that sometimes we want more than we need. We confess to You that we have put our hopes in things that fail. 
And Father, we find again and again that when we trust in You, it is enough. You and You alone can save. You and You alone will save. So we put our hope in the God of Jacob. We put our hope in the Father of Jesus Christ. We put our hope in the Lord our God, the Maker of heaven and earth, the Maker of the sea, the Maker of everything in creation, including ourselves. And we take comfort in Your faithfulness. Father, extend Your grace and forgiveness to us for our idolatrous hearts. And cleanse us. Purify our vision and our sight that we may dedicate ourselves every day, every moment of our lives fully to You and Your praise. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We're going to make our way to the Lord's Supper now. After this psalm, we've got three songs, and then Braden Walker is going to lead us in our communion prayers. So I hope that you're prepared to partake of the Lord's Supper together, all of us here and online. But to get us in the mindset, look at the rest of the psalm. That saving, rescuing God, He upholds the cause of the oppressed, and He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but He frustrates the ways of the wicked. Here's what our Savior, our Rescuer, our Messiah, Jesus Christ, is all about. If we come to this Lord's Supper table, and we think that He is just a sacrificial lamb that gets us off the hook for our no-no bad moves, and then we're missing it. Because what we encounter when we come to the supper table is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but also the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the true Prince of heaven. He is the agent of heaven's kingdom rule who's going to not only save us, but he's going to change everything. You know, I read this section and immediately what came to mind was Luke chapter 4. Do you remember Luke 4? That early moment in Luke's telling? I mean, Luke must have gotten this moment from probably from Mary, from somebody who was there in that synagogue, somebody who remembered it so clearly, that Jesus went to Nazareth, His hometown, where He had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue, as was His custom. We might say He's just going to church service. He stood up to read Scripture, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll, He gave it back to the attendant, and He sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Him. And He began by saying to them, Today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, what you just heard from God's Word is standing right before you. When we come to the Lord's Supper table, all of those Scriptures that we read about, Scriptures like this, Scriptures like Psalm 146, notice that saving promise, that saving freedom, all of that is in our presence in the Lord's Supper. The body, the blood of our Savior. It's not something that was done once a long time ago, and it is no more other than to be a reminder of how we don't have to twist in the wind. No, 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 no. It's much more than that. It's the presence of our continuing Savior who continues to save us, not just from sin, but from our emptiness, from our childishness, from our idols, from our wandering, adulterous hearts. That's what we celebrate when we come to the King's Supper table who invites us into His favor. You know, when you give up your idols, you might suffer some anxiety. When you give up the things that you trust in, your security, your wealth, your power, your your connections, whatever it is, when you let go of that or hold on to it lightly, oh, I get it, you, you might struggle a little bit. It's like giving up smoking or giving up, you know, sugary foods or something else you might get a little anxious you might get a little jittery it's like giving up alcohol you might start to have some withdrawal feelings whatever it is that you give up and it's that way too when we give up the things that we think we need for spiritual security but the promise of God is that he gives spiritual food to the spiritually hungry he will sustain us We will not feel any spiritual hunger pangs. If we do, they're false. They're for a moment. But once we learn to sustain ourselves fully on the spiritual food and drink that He provides, all will be well. We will be blessed and happy. Let's sing these songs and then after Hallelujah for the Cross, Braden will lead us around the Lord's Supper table. Thank you, Braden, for sharing your ministry of working on the presentation. And yet, all that we pour into this, it's a kindness that we do for one another. But at the same time, it's the one that we're presenting. It's the one that we're pointing to that matters. And I share that. Thank you. You're, what gave you comfort gives me comfort as well. Because what now, worship here, this assembly here, comes to an end. But even as this comes to an end, it's just beginning. Because now we're prepared to go out there. We're prepared to go back home. We're prepared to be among others. 
Some of us might fellowship with others later today. And as we do, we need to keep in mind that the ending of this psalm is just like the beginning. It begins in hallelujah, it ends in hallelujah. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. That means that this hallelujah that started our worship today, this hallelujah that ends our worship today, is the same hallelujah 3,000 years ago, and it will be the same hallelujah 3,000 years from now. It'll be the same hallelujah in all eternity. So, are you prepared for this hallelujah? Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ? Are you partaking of the Lord's Supper that is the presence of Jesus Christ among us? Are you out there being successful in your discipleship for Jesus? Are you out there failing in your discipleship for Jesus? Because even when we fail, it glorifies Him if we fail in His name. If we turn to Him in repentance and humble ourselves before Him. We have a Lord, a King, who reigns forever, no matter what happens on this earth. So, we're going to sing ourselves out of here. One song, a sending out prayer, and this is how we are going to begin our worship. Okay? And I'm going to use Coach's privilege and, and do a substitution at the